0: The things that we have to understand as Pentecostals is how God likes to move in hot and cold. We don't always get that part, even though He's been doing it all through the Bible. We kind of think cold is a Presbyterian thing, right? So, and that hot's a Pentecostal thing. That's not how God sees it at all. No, God, as a matter of fact, started operating cool long before He started operating hot. God operates hot when He sets you on fire, but God operates cool when He shows up all by Himself. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. That was God showing up all by himself. I can do more for you in a cool moment than you'll ever do in a hot moment. That hot's going to wear you out and drain you and wring you out. But just let me show up one time and I will refresh you. I will restore you. I will rebuild you. I will heal you. Just let me walk with you for a moment. That's why God showed up cold and hot to the children of Israel. That's why there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was more than a shade and it was more than a fire to warm by. It was God's nature saying, I'm going to intimidate your enemy. I'm going to show up in a way that you can worship me and understand how I like to move. Even on Mount Sinai, when God shows up to give him the law, he shows up cold before he shows up hot. He shows up in a cloud and the cloud erupted into fire. Did you remember that scene? He shows up in a cloud, looked like a storm was brewing, brewing, and then all of a sudden the top of the mountain lit up like it was on fire. God saying, I show up cool all by myself, but I show up hot so you'll recognize me. I show up hot so you can feel me. I show up hot so you can see me. But God's presence is the resting place of God. That is why in the, in the book of Revelation, the last letter was to the final church, the Laodicean church, when Jesus gave him Them this message. He says, I wish you were cold or hot. He didn't say, I wish you weren't cold. He said, I wish you were cold or hot. But if you're neither, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. He said, you either need to be in the glory or in the anointing, but you can't be playing around with this stuff. You cannot be playing. You can't turn your church into a secular gathering where singing a song off the radio is more important than coming into his presence. You can't water down worship so much that you can't even give people a chance to get in my presence because they're up there like cheerleaders trying to force it. You know, I don't know about you, but my least favorite worship is when somebody's trying to force me to praise can i tell you something if god's in the house you don't have to force anybody just sing into the glory of god you don't have to make anybody do anything and you're gonna see holy things break out all over the house that you can't even begin to orchestrate because god is saying i want you to worship cold and hot so if god shows up in glory will the pentecostals be on board If God shows up in glory, will we understand how God is moving or will we try to own it? Will we try to make it into something? Will we try to force it and mold it into something else that God wants to do? So this glory scene, this glory revival goes back and is attached to a particular thing in the Bible called the tabernacle of David. So we read that passage in Amos. We read that passage in Acts 15. So Samuel had taken the Ark of the Covenant. The, Ark, the, the tabernacle of Moses was in Gibeon. And he had taken the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle of Moses and taken it into battle. God did not tell him to do it. This is the great Samuel the prophet. We all miss it sometimes, right? Right. Let's just, be, let's just admit it. We've all missed it. So I have, you have. And if you, if you hadn't, I want to meet you later and get your autograph because I don't know anybody that hasn't missed it before. And, and so Samuel missed it, and the Philistines stole the ark. And when the ark was separated from the tabernacle, it, had, it stayed separated from the tabernacle for over, over 20 years and when David was, David was finally able to get the tabernacle, he did not want to take it to Gibeon. David had conquered the Jebusites and set up his... Now, the city of Jerusalem started off as the city of Salem. The king of Salem was a, a king who was called a Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is not his name. It's his title. You are a Melchizedek when you are a king and the high priest at the same time. So if you are the high priest and the king, you are a Melchizedek. That's why Jesus comes under the order of a Melchizedek. All right. So the Melchizedek king at that time, most people believe it was Shem. They believe that was the son of Noah or one of the or the offspring of Noah, one of his sons. And so it, that Melchizedek showed up, who was the king of Salem. That's how it started. But the king of but Salem was overthrown by the Jebusites, and it become became known as Jebus Salem, Jebus. Jebusite, to trodden down. Salem, the city of peace. So David conquers it back for Israel and sets up his kingdom and calls it Jerusalem. He's trying to create a home for God, a welcome place for God. So David decides that he does not want to take the Ark of the Covenant back to Gibeon, but instead, he wants to bring the ark into Jerusalem. Now, that's a, there's an elaborate scene, which I don't have time to go into, but it's good preaching. And I love that. This elaborate scene of dancing and sacrificing animals. And he brings it in. The whole story of, his, of Saul's daughter, Michal, who, who, who had this bad spirit and didn't thought David was, you know, because his head was below his heart. thought He was acting unkingly. And so that whole scene takes place. But here's what David wanted to do. David wanted to create a home. He got tired of God moving and wanted God to stay. He got tired of holy visitations and wanted a holy habitation. How can I get God to stay? uh, Moses moved him around. They packed him up and he moved. He was here. Then he was here. Then he was here. There's a lot of churches. They're just waiting on the next visitation. They just they sing songs like, and I'm not against this song. I love this song. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place, hoping that he'll just show up. Well, let me just let you in on something. You don't have to welcome God to his own house. If it's his house, you don't have to welcome. The, the Holy Spirit's the one who welcomed you there. Now, I don't want you to quit singing that song because I think it's a great song. But understand this. We don't go to church hoping God will show up. We go to church to meet God because he's at his house. And we go there to, to fellowship with him. And so David did not want a move of God. God. Revival under the anointing looks like a move of God. Revival under the glory looks like a stay of God. Revival under the anointing looks like God came and left. Revival under the glory looks like God came and habited. God came and stayed. So Moses said, how can I get God to inhabit Jerusalem. How can I get God to stay here? So he brought the Ark of the Covenant and he put it on the top of Mount Zion. Now Mount Zion, the top of Mount Zion is white. It's limestone and it's white. And David built a tabernacle just for the Ark so that he could look out his back window of the palace and see God every morning. And David did a lot more than that. He created something Most people believe that David had some type of vision of heaven. So he was trying to recreate, in some sense, what he saw of the seraphim who saw God. They were full of eyes, and they gazed upon him saying, holy, holy, holy. And David was trying to create this. So David introduced several things to the world. First of all, he introduced the first orchestra ever in history. Did you know that? The first orchestra ever in history was around the ark of God in the tabernacle of David. He asked he appointed musicians, 4,000 musicians. He deforested an entire forest, cutting down every tree, and told every musician, You have to make your own instrument. What comes out of you to God has got to be unique. I want you to craft the sound that comes from you to God. No imitations in this room. You're not going to dance like anybody else. You're not going to shout like anybody else. Whatever comes out of you, I want you to craft it from the beginning. So David cut down an entire forest, and 4,000 musicians had to create their instruments. David set up a budget that in today's currency, would it be 33 million dollars a year just to just to pay the salaries of those who ministered in the tabernacle of david 33 million a year and he did this for 33 years 33 years where worship never ended 4000 musicians 24 worship teams that rotated on the hour he didn't want any tired people in there every hour Can you imagine this? The choir had 288 singers in it. He had 288 singers. They'd never seen a choir before. They'd never seen an orchestra before. 4,000 musicians, 24 worship teams, and one would finish their song and the other would come in so that there was not one moment of silence that someone was not singing and praising before the Lord. It happened 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. So there was, 30, there was thirty-three. Um, $33 million per year put into this, 24 worship teams, 288 singers, and then he appointed 4,000 scribes or administrators. And this is their job. I would have loved this job. I just want you to sit in the presence of God, and when you hear someone break out in a prophetic song, I want you to write it down. And if somebody... Doesn't have a song to sing. I want you to bring out one of those prophetic songs and have them to sing it again. That's why some of the psalms. That's where most of the psalms come from. They all were. Most of them were written in the tabernacle of David. That's why some of the psalms tell you things like the coming of the Lord. Do you know the rapture of the church is prophesied in the psalms? Do you know that the that Calvary Psalm twenty two. You know how Psalm 22 starts? My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? That's how it starts. So uh, the Calvary's prophesied. So many things are prophesied. Even heavenly scenes are talked about. He said, "I, I, I heard a, uh, I wrote, uh, see Psalm 18." I cried unto God in the midst of his temple and and God rode upon a cherub and he did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind and darkness was under his pavilion, fire and hell, and vapor and smoke. He said that God rode upon a cherub and did fly and then he comforted me. He actually saw a scene, a, a spiritual scene. Can you imagine a place where worship never stopped and people would get caught up in the spirit and they would start singing a prophetic song that they saw in this mist? And the reason for this is because God's glory was on that. was was on that Ark of the Covenant. That Ark of the Covenant that was set up there. David said, I'm not taking it back to Gibeon because you've worshipped here for 20 years and God was not in it. You know what they were doing at Gibeon? They were still practicing as though the Ark was there. They were still going into doing the Day of Atonement. They were still crawling under the veil, putting the bells on them, the pomegranate bells. And they were still putting this holy smoke around them and crawling under the veil as if there was a presence in there. There was nothing there. They were still throwing blood on the wall. There was no ark, and he said, you practice for 20 years as though God was there and he was not there. He said, we're going to sing and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And when David created this place, the Shekinah of God, not the Kabod of God, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but the Shekinah of God settled, and they could see a light coming out of that old coffin. That's what the Ark of the Covenant was. It was a coffin, and they could see a light coming out of the coffin, and no one wanted to leave it. That is why some of the elders of Israel, every time they would leave, some of the Psalms talk about them looking backwards and saying, oh, my heart, that's where the passage comes from, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after him. I have to go on a journey, and I don't want to leave the presence, because I'm looking back over my shoulder, and And see the light coming out of the temple, and I want to be in that room more than I want to go on this trip. I want to be with God more than I want to be successful. I want to be with God more than I want anything else. And 24 hours a day, how did they get God to stay? They created a chair for him to sit upon, and they wrote about it in Psalm 22 Where he says in Psalm 22, verse 3, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. In the Japanese Bible, I don't know if you have one of those. You know someone that does. But look this verse up there. It's very interesting. In the Japanese Bible, it reads this way. Our praise creates a chair for God to sit on. Don't you like that? Our praise creates a chair. You know why God can't stay in a lot of churches? Because their praise only lasted 20 minutes, or excuse me, 12 minutes. They, had, they have a fast song and a slow song an announcement, then another song. It's like there was no time to enter in. And, I, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse here, and I'm not here to complain. I'm not a, I, I Really, am, I'm an encourager. I'm not a fighter anyway. I like to encourage people. But i got to tell you, one of the things that frustrates me sometimes in church is that I have to read the whole time I'm worshiping. Just sing me something I know, just just get sing it more than one time, sing it more than once every three months I mean don 't give me five songs that i 've never heard before, and i can 't even enter in because i 'm not here to sing i 'm here to see the lord i 'm not here to just sing and don't 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 force me to raise my hands i 'll raise my hands when I see the lord i 'll do more than that i 'll get on the floor when I see the lord i 'll get on my knees when I see i 'll stretch out on the floor when I see the lord i 'll run and spin when I see the Lord. You don't have to make me. Yes I'll make a joyful noise when I have a noise to make but let me see the Lord first. And we've, we, we, we've reduced our worship and I don't want to get on a hobby horse here but we've reduced our worship to a form of entertainment that we like and it's about songs we like and people we like to hear sing and it's about methods that we like and we, we, we almost can, can produce what this song is going to do in a room emotionally. And if we sing it this way, this will happen. If we sing it this way, this will happen. And we've reduced worship to the point that I wonder if there's a place for God to sit. If we've created a throne for God to sit upon. And David said, I don't want a move of God. I want a stay of God. I don't want God to move in and move out. I don't just want to feel something. I want to I want to see Him. David never taught israel how to sing he only taught them how to see and when he taught them how to see they began to sing he said look upon the lord gaze upon his holiness look upon his beauty and song began to break forth from those moments this program is brought to you by the partners of brian cutshaw and church trainer ministries Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand His kingdom around the world. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at BrianCutshawl.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at churchtrainer.com. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you. And may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. See the next move of God, I believe that we're gonna see the glory of God show up on the earth. Now, the, the, word, the Hebrew words for glory is two things, and we're familiar with both. The first one is the word kabod, and we love that. That's when you see a preacher or anybody in the church say, Woo, I just felt God's presence. How many have felt God's presence? I've already felt Him since I've been here. You know what? That's glory that you're feeling. It's the kabod. The word kabod is the word weight. That means you can tangibly feel something just settle on you. Every minister knows this, and every minister of music knows this. You can tell when God just settled in the room. I don't think that's when he walked in the room. I think he was already, I think he's everywhere. I think he was already in I think that's when God said, I'm going to just let you feel a little bit of me. And he presses down and the whole room just sensed a shift in the atmosphere because you felt the presence of God. And when everybody reacts differently to Kabod, you know, some people, it's according to where you come from. And, and so it's according to what your customs are. Some people jump. You know, I, I pastored a large church in St. Louis in the Midwest. They didn't, you know, I'm used, to wild people shouting. I grew up. I was born in Tennessee, and I grew up in churches in Tennessee and North Georgia. And in those mountains where my dad pastored, I mean, I was used to the man on fire and all of that. You know, it looked like somebody was on fire, and they had to they need to go get a fire extinguisher to put him out. I mean, I saw people just really rejoicing. and I thought everybody shouted, but when I like that, but when I got to the Midwest, I realized this is what they do, and it means the same thing. It's just they don't have enough room to. They'll hit somebody. There's too many people in the room, so you get a packed house. The more packed you get, the less demonic demonstrative your worship gets, but you still have to respond. And I don't know about you, but I can't do nothing when he shows up. I just, I just can't sit there and feel nothing. When I feel his presence, something inside of me yearns for my Creator. I can't just say nothing. I can't. If there's not enough room for me to move, I'll hop. If there's not enough room for me to hop, I'll step forward, or I'll just shake. I've seen people shake under the gabode. I've seen people shake their heads under the gabode. I've seen people glorify God. In all kinds of ways. I've seen some of them run like Elijah ran under the kabob. But the kabob is when God's glory is felt. Thank God for that. But the Shekinah is when God's glory is seen. The Shekinah is not something you feel. It's something you just saw. And that's the glory that I think is about to come to the earth. I remember a few years ago, this happened, I've only seen this two times in my life. First time I was a boy, about 10 years old, and there couldn't have been more than 30 people in that little service on a a Sunday night. And a little house church, it was a, a church that had been converted from an old house. And as a little kid, I remember seeing it. There was no fog machines, none of that existed in those days. But all of a sudden, there was a mist. It looked like a cloud came into the room and settled over the house. And you know what I remember? I remember that no one could say anything. I remember that no one could talk, no one could say anything. Every there was a hush that came over I don't know if you've heard of a guy named Brian Free. He was a member of our church. He's a singer now. His whole family was our band at our church. So so uh Jim Free, his dad and Francis Free, his mom and Jimmy, his brother, they were all they were our church band. And so uh, Brian and his family was up there singing and when that glory cloud came in, I remember Jim Free stopped playing the guitar. Michael Brian's brother quit playing the drums and and everybody stopped singing and I remember us getting down on our face because there was no other response. We got down on our face and we just gazed into the glory of God and as a kid that ruined me. I have wanted it ever since and I will buy a plane ticket I will pay whatever I have to pay. I'll sell my house whatever I have to do I long for that again i need that again it ruins you it's like isaiah you know isaiah wasn't a prophet when that happened to him isaiah was a businessman he was the he was the king's nephew and an ambassador for the for the for the royal court and he said i saw the lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple he said woe is me i'm undone and at the end he said i'm undone Nothing I've done can measure to this. I, I don't have anything to say. I am so wrecked. I'm. You know what I'm undone means? It means I'm ruined. That means I am messed up. I, don't, I am so stained. I want God to stain us so badly that we can never wash it off, that we can never wipe it off, that all we want is more and more. I remember another time at Twin Rivers, and, and I don't know, Joel and Marta, if you guys were there this night. I know, by the way, I love these guys. We've been in, in ministry together for years, and they were a member of my congregation in Twin Rivers. I don't know if you guys were there that night that the glory cloud came into the church. It was on a Sunday night. There must have been about 800 people there that night, and the glory cloud came in Twin Rivers, and it was like a haze. And the same thing happened again. We got down on our face. Nobody said a word. The musicians stopped. You let that happen in Congress and see what happens. God can show up anywhere he wants to show up. You let that start happening in a cornfield and see what happens. You let that. What do you mean, Brian? You think that's actually going to happen? Oh, I absolutely do. Because of this scripture right here. Listen to what it says. It says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge. Knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. How is the earth going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory? Just like this. When the glory shall cloud shows up, everybody gets out their phone and starts filming and it goes viral. Every The whole earth is going to know. Not the whole earth is going to be in the glory, but the knowledge of the glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. You know what I think is about to happen, Pastor Rick or Evangelist Rick? You know what I think is about to happen? I think that the glory is going to make headlines. I think you're going to see the glory in the New York Times. I think you're going to see the glory even on CNN. And I don't even watch CNN, but I believe you're going to see the glory on CNN. I believe you're going to see the the glory on Fox News. I believe that you're going to see the glory. It's going to be the front runner on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. I think it's going to show up everywhere because when the glory comes down, I think people are going to film it and they're going to start tweeting it and people are going to flock from everywhere. Oh, I know your little high school student thinks they're enlightened now and they don't know who they are anymore and they're all confused about who they are. I know that some teacher got a hold of them and convinced them that evolution was correct and that creationism wasn't. I know your college student went away to college and now doesn't go to church anymore and is hanging out, but wait till the glory shows up. I know, I know old Uncle Billy would rather have a bottle in his hand than a Bible in his hand, but wait till the glory shows up. I know the preacher down the street is talking, talking about you, and he doesn't believe that. I know the James, the, the the John MacArthur's are poking their fingers and pointing at us and calling us demon-possessed, all that, but you wait till the glory shows up. It's gonna change everything. Oh, I don't mean what we've been feeling. I mean what we're about to see. The knowledge of the glory of God is gonna cover the earth as the water comes the sea. It's coming to Australia. It's coming to Africa. Africa. it's coming to Europe it's coming to North Carolina it's coming to California it's coming to places around the world and they're going to see God you wait to what happens on that college campus there'll be revivals on college campuses that never even believed in God before there's going to be revivals in white in the White House in your house gymnasiums are gonna fill up shot of a I'm prophesying here gymnasiums are going to fill up with people coming to God because they've seen the glory and they come to see if it'll show up again. Coliseums are going to fill up with people who come to see the glory. Theaters are going to fill up with people who've come to see the glory because God showed up and everybody saw it and everybody filmed it and they want to know if it's real and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea hallelujah hallelujah oh and when the glory shows up it may not, it's not going to be preacher driven this is what you got to get This is the part you have to understand. When the glory shows up, nobody can own it. When the glory shows up, nobody can name it. When the glory shows up, no one can claim it. When the glory shows up, it doesn't matter if they've ever heard your name, and it's not even going to matter. They're not even going to remember your name. They're going to remember the fact that the glory of God has come into the house. Hallelujah. When the glory shows up, you're going to see people driving by and they're going to stop their cars and come inside and they don't even know why. The glory is going to draw them in. When the glory shows up, people are going to start getting out of wheelchairs when nobody put any oil on their head. When the glory shows up, you're going to see people being filled with the Holy Ghost. And there was no prayer line. And there was no sermon. God is going to do it all by himself. And what the anointing? Because I love the anointing, but it is limited. It is limited by broken vessels. It is limited by by cracked pots. It is limited by all kinds of things. But this will not be limited. This will not be limited. And when the glory shows up, God is going to save your sons and your daughters. And God is going to bring them back to home. God is going to bring them back home again for his glory.